when you come up to something that you go, I just speak the name of Jesus over this right now. That's ours. That's our inheritance. That's our um, privilege and freedom because we're children of the living God. And so it's like, I just want to keep pounding that, that there truly is power in the name of Jesus. So, this is going to be so fun. No, huffing and puffing. <clears throat> All right. Last week we talked about um, kindness. And um, I had stuff that I didn't get to last week, and I realized I didn't get to it last week because there's a different thing. He wanted to work on it. And so I have scripture that I'm going to give you in just a few minutes because I have a lot of scripture, and I want to make sure that we look at it with our own eyeballs. Um, let's just jump in, shall we? You know about meditation. If you've been around church at all, you know about meditation. The question is, is what are you meditating on when you're meditating? Right? Mm-hmm. And so the concept is, um, the Lord started talking to me about this, and I heard a preacher talk about it, and then I read a book, and they're talking about it. It's, it's lifeblood to you. It's lifeblood to your spirit is what you meditate on, what you ponder on. And country folks, like a cow chewing on a cud. That's how you want to think about how you chew on the truth and the reality of God. Like a cow chewing on its cud, and it swallows it down, it spits it back up, still gets some more. It's disgusting. It's an absolute perfect picture of what it means to be chewing on the truth and the reality of God. And so um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Kristen and I, sorry, I didn't mean to just bust you out right there, but I just realized I just called you out. Chris, Chris and I were talking, and we both had got this thing from the Lord about fasting. So I said, great. I said, let's meet you fast. I said, we're just going to fast three days. And she picked her thing and my thing where I didn't have to think about it because the Lord had already been going, you want to know why you're numbed out? You want to know why you can't hear from me? You know, we want to know why you're sad. And blah, blah, blah. You all know your drama. You know your drama. Don't make me call your drama. I'm calling myself out on your behalf. It's like the Lord going, what are you pondering on? What are you thinking? What are you meditating on? I wasn't able to dream. I wasn't able to hear from the Lord at night. I wasn't hearing the songs in the night like I always do. The Lord just went, what are you meditating on? And so I realized in my sleep, I was processing the show that I had watched the night, that night. If y'all ever do this with television shows, that's the reason I hate television. I need movies because movies wrap everything up. But television shows, what's going to happen next? And my brain works on it all night long. So the Lord said, how about you just fast your television show that you watch every night and also fast Facebook? Why would I fast Facebook? Because when I had a free moment, I'd grab my phone and do the troll thing. The biggest waste of time and brain cells ever. Amen. And I don't think I even realized how much I was doing it until I stopped doing it. So that's the beauty of fasting. If you've got your thing that you do all the time, just fast it for a couple of days, and the Lord's going to show you it's far more, far worse than you actually think it is. Okay? So I fasted that. <laughs> And so I just, I, I got to just tell you, it's like I would go get my phone and went, oh. okay, Lord, because fasting is not like a slap on the hand. Fasting is like going, remember me? The whole point of fasting is to soften your heart going, oh, oh, yeah, sorry, that's so dumb. Yes, there you are. Okay, so it just took three days, just three days to recalibrate my heart. I don't know how your success rate was, but we were both, what we agreed to do was, we agreed to pray for one another while the other one was fasting whatever thing they picked. It's a great exercise among friends and marriages. 
what is it that's consuming your thoughts? Maybe you need to fast that in some way. So, mulling over your ideas about God, and I'd like to suggest that your stress level and your anxiety levels might be based on the fact that you're thinking about them more than you're ever thinking about the Lord. So what do you do with that? So the Lord brought this on the City of Hope, and then Catherine wrote me an email about it. It's like, we are rebuilding out of the ruins a City of Hope. And I don't know where she got her references, but every time I hear this song, I think about Isaiah 58, and the Lord brought it back to my mind again during the song. So if you've got your Bibles, turn there. Isaiah 58. Because this is where God's going. I don't know where you're going, but this is where God's going. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, Isaiah 58, starting at 11. And will strengthen your frame, and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. What were you complaining about? Like a spring whose waters never fail. And your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of broken walls and the restorer of street dwellings. God is about rebuilding. He's about renewing. He's about giving back to you what's been stolen. He's about uh, you participating in that process. So I was talking to a friend today. She was getting taken out like we all get taken out on, on a day-to-day -day basis. And I said, you need an identity upgrade. And she goes, what are you talking about? And I said, you're living here. You're living in this place where you used to live. She used to be full of fear. She used to be controlling to try to manage her fear. And so she would try to control her kids and her husband. And she was doing this whole kind of thing. And then the Lord promoted her. And then she got experienced a physical healing. She experienced a healing in her marriage. She didn't have to scream at her kids anymore to get peace in her home. And then here comes the attack. Instead of her going up to the next level, listen to me, this is a fresh word. Instead of going up to the next level of the need of the moment, she slid back to old patterns. How many times have we done that? And so when you catch yourself in this slide down of, oh, this isn't, listen, here's the lie. This must not work because I'm being tempted, because I'm having hardship, so I might as well give up and go back to old ways, which is exactly what the enemy wants you to do, right? Mm -hmm. But instead, in that slide, it's this moment right here when you have the opportunity to go up or go down. You've got to go up because the Lord's trying to give you an upgrade. Here is a newer truth about who you are and who I am. It's an identity upgrade. And so here's the word that just kind of rolled out of my mouth when we were talking this afternoon. So I'm going to try to share with you what the Lord was sharing to me. Whether you like it or not, whether you're comfortable or not, whether you understand it or not, in the mysteries of God, there is a duality to this life. There's the flesh and the world that me and you live and breathe and touch each other. There's our cars. Here's this seat. The duality of this physical life. And there's this reality of a spiritual life that is very much more real than this chair right here, whether you believe it or not. You don't have to believe it. It doesn't make it any less true. Amen? Amen. So you and I live in this tension, this duality of these two different worlds, this physical, spiritual world, and this spiritual world, physical world, and this spiritual world that's going on all the time. And so our upgrade, what we're trying to do is get an upgrade to pop up to where Jesus is. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Oh, but I've been in these circumstances and it's so hard. You don't understand. I don't have to understand your world system because I'm shooting for a Jesus system and the Jesus system says 
that there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Do you get it? So the more comfortable you become living in this duality, you're going to start getting, you're going to, you're not, whoo, there it is. Whoa, breathe. Instead of trying to grab this stuff, you got to reach up. You're constantly trying to reach up for different tools because every time you reach up for different tools from heaven, the Lord's just going to pull you right back up. Oh, this is where we are now. Can you see the physical picture? You can slough along in this world all you want. And listen, the Lord will let you do that because he honors your freedom and he honors your choice so much. But the moment that you go, I'm sick and tired of sloughing through this crap, he's going to go up. Let's go up. I'm going to give you different tools. You can't go up with the same tools you have right here. You have to constantly be upgrading new identities about who God is, new identities about who I am, new tools about how I'm going to do something different other than what I did yesterday and the years before. You can't use the same tools you had yesterday to go up here in Jesus. Do you understand that? Do you feel the power of that? That's because that's the release of the Holy Spirit. Here's what we've done. We have disemboweled the Holy Spirit. We have no expectation he's around. We have no expectation he's going to just blow us up in this moment right now. We have no expectation he's going to show up and work for you tomorrow or changing diapers tomorrow or the crap that you dealt with all day. We don't have any expectation of that. And I, I'm saying that we don't. So let, let me put it in the positive. Let us hunger for more, right? Let us be desperate for more. God answers the hunger and the cry of hungry people. So I'm saying you don't. I mean, collectively we don't. But I'm saying as we come into this spirit, God, we must have more of you. God, we have to have more of you in this day to day. I'm no longer willing to try to do my life, my way, and my own strength I have this superpower right next to me. Can we link arms? Can you see the picture? That's how you get the upgrade. That's how you do it. So there's like this flesh and spirit. Here's the question that I wrote down. In your day-to-day life, this is an ouch question. For those of you who are new, sorry. The rest of you are used to it. (laughs) This flesh and spirit question, who's in charge most of the time? You're going to know who's in charge by what's coming out of your mouth. I feel like I teach on this all the time. And the reason I think I teach on this all the time is because there's not anything changing in my ears. I'm around some of the most powerful Christians in this town. And I still hear people judging other people. I still hear people going, I can't, I won't, I don't, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm going, and God, in their eyes, just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. I believe that if you want to see revival, I believe if you want to see revival in your life, if you want to rebuild the ancient ruins, if you want to see new roads built in this city, if you want to watch Jesus pour out over Tennessee, there's because something's going to come out of our mouths different than what we're saying right now. God, help us. God, help us. Change us from the inside out. So, here we go. This is going somewhere, believe it or not. Genesis 1. You have the freedom to choose. There were two trees, the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. We were born because of Jesus into the tree of life. We spent a whole time on that. We're going to come back around. You have the freedom to choose. You have the freedom to choose poorly, but you also have the freedom to choose powerfully. I feel like that we spent a lot of time talking about sin and how we chose it poorly instead of equipping believers how to choose powerfully. That's what I want to try to give you tonight. Let's figure out how to reach up there and grab different so that I can act different with my kids tomorrow, so that I can act different with the person at work 
do y'all get what I'm saying? There's got, Jesus has got to matter or we're all wasting our time. Do you understand? If he doesn't matter in every, do you have any idea how many professions are existing right here? How many people each one of us are contacting? If we don't feel a rush of the Holy Spirit as we're going through our life, we should stop and go, hey, where are you? That's what I'm talking about, sensitivity to the Spirit. That you're so aware, aware of His presence that when you step too far away or you're so distracted that you don't even notice it, that you're not hungering for it, that you're not mulling on it, that you're not going, mm, I love you. See, that kind of stuff, that kind of ache and groan, that changes the world. I can't even say this enough. Intimacy with Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit is the most powerful weapon you are going to ever, ever wield against anything in this world. So you're not trying to work on learning more and doing more and serving more. You're trying to figure out how do I fall in love with you and become so overwhelmed by you that you actually change me from the inside out so that when people see me, they don't just see me, they see Jesus because he's permeated this very place. God, help us be so. Here, put your hand on your heart. God, I speak that right now. I'm so tired of speaking messages. That's right, Chuck. If you will just receive that word, will you just say that out loud? Lord, I receive that word. God, that you would make us different. Holy Spirit, help us fall in love with you in a different, greater, more profound way so that the love that you and I share, the love that they share with you, will change us from the inside out, the very core of our being and how we act. I pray it so in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, here's the Holy Spirit. This is so funny. The Holy Spirit is a force to be reckoned with. And I'm just going to go through some scriptures. Write it down. I've given you some. Oh, here, I'll give this to you now. Mm, can I do that? No. You have to hold <laughs> Acts 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to stand on your head. It came on you. When you received Jesus, the Holy Spirit came on you. You already have access to power. Don't talk about your sin. Don't talk about what you've tried before. Go into intimacy. Intimacy is what unlocks power. Hello. Did you hear what I just said? Intimacy unlocks power. That's what we're trying to go the power that comes from Ephesians 3.16. I love this. I pray that out of your glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, you're set, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And here's the key, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Do you know this love that surpasses knowledge? It's great to know a lot about the Bible. Do you know anything about Jesus? It's great to know the Word. Do you know the Word? Have you met Him? Do you talk to Him? Or do you read a book and expect to get a gold star for it? If you see one more Bible study that you fill in the blank, that doesn't fill in your life, you're wasting your time. And I tell you that Jesus said that he cast out, that you came and you cast out demons in my name. And Jesus says, I never knew you. 
because I never knew you intimately. The only way to access the riches of heaven is through intimacy. You got to know that that no word is experiential. It's not. It's not up here. It's right here in the spirit. And then also Second Timothy one seven, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self control. So I would talk to you tonight about self control. And then I'm going to give you this. Just hold on to this thing with the scripture. I'm so blown up by this book. You guys know I always have something I'm mulling on. And you'll have to appreciate how it looks right now because my dog seems to have a lot of affection for it. Can you see this? (laughs) Yes, the little darling. (laughs) Anyway, the book is called Money and the Prosperous Soul by Stephen DeSilva. Money and the Prosperous Soul. And you think about, oh, well, I don't even think about money. It has so little to do with money. It has everything to do with the prosperous soul and about what freedom really is and what it's not. Money and the prosperous soul. And I just keep going through it and the Lord blows me up. And I go through another book or two, another chapter or two and the Lord blows me up. And so the thing that I've been sitting on for several days is what our notion of freedom is versus our notion of control. And so in the days that we live in, there's a whole lot of conversation about government control and we're supposed to be free and all this kind of stuff. But God is the one that sets up an idea about self-control. And he talks about if you want true freedom, if you really want to be free, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? The Lord says that one of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, evidence that the Holy Spirit is alive and active, is that there's going to be things that are going to start popping up in you that wasn't there before. And you know them. We've all learned them in Bible school. Love, say them with me. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. So I have memorized those just like you have. But this author and the Holy Spirit is going, if you want true freedom, if you truly want to know how to walk in authenticity, you must master through the power of the Holy Spirit self-control. Because you cannot be free apart from it. Just let me listen a second. Self-control is the power to choose who and what you will believe about God. We, I'm not talking about self-control like how much you eat, how much you drink, what you say, although all those things, that's all evidence. But those are baby. That's remember how we talked about the duality? That's flesh evidence of self-control. I'm talking about spiritual evidence of self-control. Now we just up the ante. This is a whole different conversation. Self-control about what I will choose to believe about God. And Romans 1 is a very stark, stark conversation about what happens when they chose to worship the created instead of the creator. Go look this up on your own. It's a very startling, startling chapter in the Bible about what God does with you. You want to choose your own definition of self-control? Have fun doing that. I'm going to be standing right here. My cross still applies to you, but I'm going to turn you over to your notion of self-control. Are you all tracking with me? And so the Lord is saying, come back. Turn us away from, the Lord is saying, come back. Here's what he said. Breaking off the lies of the, I didn't, breathe. 
<laughs> breaking off the lies of the enemy to walk in your true identity. Breaking off the lies of the enemy to walk in your true identity. That's self-control. I could spend three weeks on that one sentence. Breaking off the lies of the enemy to walk in your true identity. It requires spiritual self-control. Spiritual, listen, spiritual self-control. Fueled by heaven, sourced by heaven, focused on heaven, through the cross, through the resurrection, empty tomb, resurrection power life, spiritual self, fully identified who I am in Christ, what you see is not what you get because I'm in process and I'm constantly going through upgrades because God is trying to get me to see, me to see. He's trying to get me to see who he says I am. He's trying to get you to see who he says you are because once you get a hold of that, that self, once that self, that identity in Christ is firmly rooted and planted and established that you understand that this heavenly connection that's happened now I have a sense of control about who I am and why and what I'm doing. We spend so much time on how to do this and how to do that and how to do this. We spend zero time on our identity in Christ. Listen, if you don't know the who of who you are, you won't know the why of what you're doing. Are y'all tracking with me? Yes. You have got to know who you are. You've got to know why you are. Why did Jesus make you anyway? Why did God put you here? It wasn't to sell widgets. <laughs> Whatever your widget is, everybody's got widgets. They're selling something. They're making something. They're doing something. That may be part of your handiwork, but there is a why of you that we desperately need to know. We need to know who you are and why you are because that's going to help us strengthen you. It's going to help you in that duality. So when things get really hard, listen, we had the craziest thing happen today. Chuck sends me, I'm listening to that song. You're my, pro Jesus, you're my provider. Jesus, you're my healer. Jesus, you're my savior, right? Do you remember the section in the song? Just declare it. Yes, 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 you are. And then Chuck sends me a text. He goes, uh, babe, my commission's not so good for the next three months. And I'm going, I'm good, honey, it's good. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Jesus is so good. And in that moment, the Lord just went, wouldn't it be great if you lived in that spot all the time? See, that's self-control, spiritual self-control, because the circumstances don't dictate who I am. The circumstances don't tell me what my God is and is not going to do. The circumstances don't get to be my God. And here's the ouch. Are your circumstances your God? Is your finances your God? Is your knit, whatever your knit is, is that your God because you're so compulsed about it? Oh, oh, oh that is your God. That is your God. Whatever consumes your thoughts, that is your God. Because worship is what you're focusing on most of the time. How's that for a holy ouch? And so there's a power in the Holy Spirit. He's going, love has a voice. Love has a name. His name is Jesus. And then it comes back into Ephesians. May you experience, experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. And then you'll be made complete with all the fullness and the power that comes from God. Ah, Chuck. Yes, take my medicine. Here, turn it off. I thought of it, and then I forgot to turn it off. 
<laughs> All right, so now I'm going to give you these scriptures so you can read these with me. Here, pass these out. Pass, pass, pass. There's something best to you guys too, Susan. start reading all the scripture because I want to read you this one piece of um, this author. He's talking about <clears throat> people who lack the power of self-control. I want you to put those two words somewhere. There's power and self-control. It's a concept that I haven't gotten until the last week or two. It's like self-control is this grind or this I don't know how we frame it up but this grabbed me. There's a power in self-control. So this author is saying, uh, it was Stephen De Silva, by the way. People who lack the power of self-control cannot be free. So they always end up being controlled by external influences. Solomon expressed this truth in Proverbs 25. Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. That's not us because we have the Holy Spirit. While convicted criminals are extreme cases, the truth is everyone lacks the capacity to handle free will perfectly. Thus, we all end up knowingly or unknowingly surrendering control in some measure. There are so many kinds of prisons that people live in or go back to repeatedly, and some of them seemingly comfortable. For example, women stay in abusive relationships. Men struggle with addictions. Women, uh, families labor under massive bondage as debtors, and generations settle for welfare cycles that destroy their ambition and vision. Many desire to break free of their circumstances, but once again, our circumstances, listen, our circumstances do not cause the fault lines, they expose them. The circumstances in your life are exposing the character defects that the Holy Spirit wants to heal. So you can excuse it, or you can ask the Holy Spirit to heal it. But the only reason that you're seeing these defects is because the Lord's trying to do what? Give you an upgrade. He's trying to take you up to the next level. Mm. So Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. So where are you today? Are you brokenhearted? Are you crushed in spirit? Take heart. Take heart because the Lord is with you, and he's here. Psalm 16, 11. Yes, I just love this verse. You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I just want to ask you, what do you do? This is the question that the Lord asked me this. Ah, oh, gosh, Harris was two. In your presence there is fullness of joy. Jenna, where's your joy? Where's your joy, Jenna? Oh, I don't know. So then his next question is, where's my presence? In your presence is fullness of joy. So you're not trying to grab after joy. You're trying to run after his presence. I must need more of you, Lord. I must need more of you. Where is it that you're allowing something other than the presence of the Lord to permeate your life? That's a great question. Where is it that you're allowing something else to permeate the spirit, the presence of God in your life? Because that's where you're getting defects. 
And then Romans 15. I just want to give this to you so that you can soak in it. May the God who gives, in verse 5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that you may glorify our God and Father. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Where's our hope? Where's our peace? I say it's because we don't know how to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is my last big chunk of verse scripture, and I want to come back and give you some other notes. If you'll just look at Hebrews 6 with me. This is our cry in this generation. This is the cry of what we're trying to go after in the days that we live in. Beginning with verse 12. Well, to start at the beginning, we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, to the end of your life, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those whose faith and patience inherit the promises. And then look at verse 14. Surely, God says, surely I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply you. That's God's heart for you. And then it says, verse 19, This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, fast, which enters the presence behind the veil. I know I've shared this for some of you before, but there are new people here today. And the Lord gave me this incredible vision one night when I was at a church service. And a pastor that I love was teaching about the anchor holds within the veil. And, and in that moment, he just kept talking about the anchor holds within the veil. And the Lord just made this deposit in me. And I, he went like this. He said, the anchor holds within the veil. And in that moment, it's like it double-clicked like the, the Iron Man. You know how you tough and it just comes up and it's like 3D? That's what happened in the spirit for me. And I saw just this anchor being held through the veil. And it hung right on the bars of the cross. The anchor holds within the veil. So when you have all this stuff that's pulling against you, when you have all this sense of, of pressure, and how am I going to do it? You go back to the anchor holes within the veil. You are anchored in the love and the power of Christ. And so you look, go back to that and go, I don't know this. I don't know how that's going to work out. I don't know about that circumstances. I don't know what I'm going to do with that person, but I know that I'm anchored. I have this anchor for my soul, and I have been anchored into the love of God. And there ain't nothing or no one or no circumstances that's going to get me out of that place. You've got to figure out what you believe about God. Like when I hear that out loud, my spirit goes crazy because his last breath tore the veil. Did you catch that in that line, that line in that song? His last breath tore the veil so that we enter into through the cross, we enter into the Holy of Holies. So there's now nothing. Do you understand? There's nothing that the Lord would withhold from us. Nothing. And yet we go through our lives in this pathetic, puny, whiny way. And I tell you, it's because you're feeding the flesh instead of the spirit. You must, you must ask Holy Spirit to give you a deposit of power so that you have spiritual self-control. It will change your life and it's going to change this world. Now, why do we care about all that? Oh, God help me. This is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Do you remember when I told you that self-control was a what of the Holy Spirit? And what does fruit have? What does fruit do? Seeds. And what do you see it's do? The reason that God is trying to grow up in you a fruit of self-control is because he's wanting you to reproduce. 
It's a fruit. Listen, all of those nine, it's a fruit. He's planting them in you so that you're going to grow them up and then you're going to have seed and then you're going to give them away. And the next thing you know, that person is going to learn how to do something different. And then what's that person going to do? Make fruit. And then that person's going to give it to somebody else. And I just saw this like in a moment because I have a woman that I've been walking with for years and years. Whew. Here's how it works, just in the sweetest of ways, right? She came into my world, and we were both kind of messes, but I was a couple years down the road from her, and I knew about the intimacy of God, and she was terrified of God. And so we just walked with God together, messy, ugly, lots of drama in the flesh, but lots of seed planting in the spirit. Can you hear the tension between those two things, right? So it's like just walking through this season. She comes to my events. We do foot washing. She gets completely blown up because she encounters the face of God for the first time in her life. And she's just weeping and she's going, I never knew that God loved me like that. Every time the Lord just washed over her, just washed off all that shame, washed off all that hatred, just washing her. Nothing washes you better than the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. So she's just becoming a new person, still messy, still so messy, but the Lord's just like growing up in her. And then here you go. Five years later, six years later, she's just done an event with a bunch of inner city kids and she's washing their feet and she's watching the Holy Spirit blow up a whole 80 group people of middle schoolers and their leaders, right? Just because she got a seed and even though she was messy and her flesh was messy and her relationships were messy, she got a seed and it was good soil. And so she just kept running hard after God. And now all of a sudden that seed has come up and it's produced more seed. And now she just gave all that seed to 80 more people. Hallelujah. Wow. See, that's, does that get you fired up? That gets me fired up. The power of testimony, of watching God do something that I couldn't possibly do by myself. It starts telling me who I am. It starts telling me why I am. It starts telling you who you are and what you've got inside you that you don't even know anything about. It starts giving you a reason to develop spiritual self-control because it's seed. And that seed is dying to be planted in a world that needs us so bad. Where the Spirit is present, it produces seed, seed bearing after its own kind. So you get to choose your life lenses. This is something the Lord just listened to these couple of phrases the Lord just laid out. Self-control in your faith, your trust, all right, I don't want to go too fast with this. This is what I'm calling out. I'm planting this like seed. Self-control, spiritual self-control in your faith. You have self-control so that you don't love God one day and curse God the next day. And that God's your provider one day. And oh my God, I got $2 in my checking account the next day. That you develop some spiritual self-control so that once God gives you revelation, my God is my provider, regardless of my checking account, and I'm not going to go backward anymore. That's spiritual self-control. Can you hear it? You refuse to let the enemy drag you back when the Lord's already brought you out, and you have to exercise through the power of the Holy Spirit some self-control that goes, I'm not playing like this anymore. It's spiritual self-control in your trust, your attitude, your hope, your joy. These are 
places where you get to stand with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and go, I get to choose something different. And my self-control is going to produce fruit, and it's going to produce seeds that whenever person I'm around and I'm not flipping out, they're going, how come she's not flipping out? Because I have seed that's planted inside me. Would you like some? I'm asking God to give us something. And then this is my last phrase for tonight. You have the privilege and the gift of stewarding the presence of God. Just let your mind sit on that for a second. Stewarding the presence of God. We know a lot about tithing and offering and giving and money and being good stewards. And we love to throw that word around in church. I don't think I've ever heard that phrase before. Stewarding the presence of God. That you get to decide how you carry, how you welcome, how you stay connected. I get to steward the presence of the Holy Spirit and just go, God, I don't want to just push you in a box or I hear this phrase a lot and I'm not judging you. I'm just I'm saying there's a better way. Yeah, I have a quiet time in the morning and then I don't think about God again until I go to bed at night. There's a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem. Because your God is the God that gets all your time and all your energy in between. And I know that that's a hard word. It's the truth. Because your identity, listen, your total identity, the reason that God made you was to be co-laboring, co-airing, working with him in tandem with him. And so that's our effort. We practice self-control so that we stay conscious of the living, breathing God. Because listen, brothers and sisters, if we don't, we're just like the people who are dead without Christ. Does that make sense? They don't know any different either. And we're supposed to know different. So how do we get different? You were designed for strength. You were made for the strength of Christ. Don't let the devil keep stealing it from you. I love this phrase. We are a people pregnant with promise. We're full of life. We just got to let the Lord do what he can do. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. But there's also power in the name of Jesus to produce his fruit in our life. Let me just pray over you. God, I just want to spend some time. We just bless you, God. We just bless you that it's always been your heart to produce your fruit in our lives. That you have a heart to produce people that look like Jesus. That's me. That's them. That we would look like Jesus. And you're planting the seeds of your spirit in us so that we will one day look like Jesus. Think like Jesus. Love and heal like Jesus. Trust like Jesus. Have joy like Jesus. Help us, God, in this, in this physical, spiritual tandem we find ourselves in. And Holy Spirit, the way that I know you're going to help us is just through intimacy. God, introduce yourself to us again. Show us how to fall in love with you again. Sing songs in our sleep. Give us vision. Give us signs and wonders. God, bring us to a deeper understanding of what it means to be your beloved daughter and your beloved son. Dust us off, God. Dust us off so that we would see that we truly are a well-watered garden already. We're not working for it. You're just unveiling it. Hmm.
sing together a little bit. I love you, Lord, and I through church doors, God, but through the cross, through the empty grave, through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, teach us. Lead us. Just overwhelm us, God, with your love and your affection and give us hearts soft to receive. I just speak soft hearts in this place, changes that we don't even know where they come from. I just declare that, God, but that's your heart, and so we just release on earth as it is in heaven. Soft hearts to receive your truth. We just thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what I think I'd like to do is I think I'd like the men to go on that side, and I'd like the women to go on this side, just because we never have any men to do anything fun with. <laughs> and so you guys go pray for one another, and we're going to pray for each other. All right? So pray. Men over there, women over here. 